Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're looking at Italy, where an election has seen a sharp rise in support for anti-establishment parties and no clear option for a new government. Joining me to discuss the situation are on the line from Milan our correspondent Rachel Sanderson and here in the studio Europe editor Tony Barber. So Tony, as I say, uh, it does look as if the establishment party has been pretty definitively rejected. It is a very significant defeat, not only for the ruling party of the centre-left, the Democratic Party, in particular its leader Matteo Renzi, but it is also a defeat for Silvio Berlusconi, the former Prime Minister and the representative of what was seen during the campaign as the most uh, responsible element of the right-wing coalition. And that is significant, I think, because Silvio Berlusconi first became Prime Minister of Italy in 1994 in the aftermath of a political upheaval that destroyed what was known as the First Republic in Italy, the Republic born out of the ashes of the Second World War. And what I think we've seen as a result of this election is the destruction of the political system that Berlusconi and later on Renzi and his party represented for roughly a quarter of a century from the early 1990s to the present day. We are now in utterly uncharted territory. We don't know what new system might replace the one that has now just blown up in front of our eyes. And the new forces, the Five Star Movement, which was the largest grouping, was until recently regarded as almost little more than a protest movement, led by a former comedian, after all. The Northern League, which is the other ascendant force, although I think they got about half the support of the Five Star, is a far-right anti-immigration party. So what does that portend? Well, if we take the Five Star Movement first, what is very, very striking, if you look at a map of the electoral results, you'll see that the Five Star Movement swept the south of Italy in truly uh, grand style. I mean, in Sicily, for example, I mean, they were in many places, they were taking up to 50% of the vote. This is an island, a very uh, densely populated island as well, where as recently as 2001, Silvio Berlusconi's Forza Italia party won every single seat. 17 years later, they've been crushed, and the Five Star Movement has replaced all other parties as the dominant force in the whole of the south of Italy. Meanwhile, in the north, as I mentioned earlier, Forza Italia has has lost to the Northern League as the dominant party on the right. The League has achieved this position not only because of a a lot of discontent with Italy's economic stagnation, a condition that's gone on since at least the mid-1990s, but also because of the recent heavy levels of migration into Italy. So the net effect is that you see southern Italy bubbling away in a discontented fashion in a way that sort of resembles Greece in recent years. Meanwhile, up in the north of Italy, which is a very prosperous region, you see discontent with migration in a way that's rather similar to certain places in Central Europe. And Rachel, I mean, the other fact is that no party is able to form a a government on its own. It looks like the government will have to include the five-star movement. But what's your best guess for what kind of government's going to emerge? The polls were predicting, and analysts were predicting, the run-up we were going to end up with a hung parliament, which very much looks like the situation we're going to get, a fact that has 
meant that the financial markets haven't reacted too strongly to the result of the vote. There is clearly going to be a lot of horse trading taking place, which could take weeks for that to come together. What we're seeing today, to give you an idea of of quite how rocky and lengthy this process is probably going to be, is members of the centre-left bickering amongst themselves about who would support a possible closer alliance with Five Star within a hung parliament and who wouldn't. So I think we're going to get days of this before we get clarity. But the best view is we will get a hung parliament out of it. And are we likely to get a Five Star Prime Minister? And what does that mean? That's not clear. I mean, market expectations are that we won't. We may get, as it were, a sort of caretaker Prime Minister who will be more appealing to financial markets. We've been mentioning, among some things, that would there be a possibility we would have someone like Paolo Gentiloni, who's been the Prime Minister for the past year, since Matteo Renzi lost a major referendum in December 2016 that he could carry on, or another caretaker, effectively technocrat figure who could carry on. But there is also people are not ruling out the possibility that if an agreement is not made amongst these various parties, of which none have reached, as Tony said, enough to actually make a government themselves, that we may end up in elections again within a year. Tony? I think it would be uh, rather awkward for Italy to either reappoint Paolo Gentiloni as Prime Minister after his party has suffered such a crushing defeat, or to pick a technocrat as Prime Minister and form a technocratic government after more than 50% of the electorate has voted for parties, the Five Star Movement and the League, who basically they won, they won. So you can't defy the wishes of the majority of the electorate forever. As regards the possibility of new elections, personally, I don't think this will happen. And one of the reasons is that Italy has been through periods of political instability following elections many times in the post-1945 era. And actually, it's extremely rare that you see the country or its political classes deciding to go for a second election very quickly. It just doesn't happen. There was a lot of turmoil after the 2013 election, for example. And actually, in the end, They sorted something out and they stayed together for five years. But the other equally important point is that one of the reasons we've ended up in this paralysis in the hung parliament is precisely because the election was held under a new electoral law whose creators, principally Berlusconi and Renzi, intended this result. They didn't want to have an electoral law that included bonus seats for the winner of the election because neither could be certain who might win out of that. So they manufactured stalemate. And as a result of the hung parliament we now have, it's going to be extremely difficult to concoct a parliamentary majority for changing the electoral law. And Rachel, I mean, just trying to think about this in policy terms, a bit difficult, I know, because we don't know the nature of the government that's going to emerge. But we do know that the rising forces, Five Star, the Northern League, have at least on the surface very radical agendas. And yet what you seem to be painting was something more like sort of muddling through stasis. How do you think it is actually going to work out between the ostensible radicalism of the rising parties? I um, did an interview late last year with Roberto Maroni, who is a veteran of the Northern League, who interestingly stepped down as head of the Lombardy region, so the region, the very wealthy region around Milan, 
earlier this year, which was seen at the time as possibly a signal that he was getting ready to take up a ministerial job if the Lega became a powerful force in the league. And he, when I spoke to him, made clear that if the league got in, they would be looking for much tougher responsibility over migration, as we expected. Maroni was previously an interior minister in a Berlusconi government, when actually at that stage got into trouble with the European courts in Strasbourg because they took a particularly tough line on migration. Maroni, when I spoke to him, made a very extraordinary statement that he wanted to eject people from Milan migrants who came in and didn't have work permits set up and actual jobs for them before they came in, something that's unenforceable, but that gives you a flavour of the sort of views the Northern League were having. I think on the business front, which of course is the focus of what the businesses and the business leaders who are centred in Milan are, what they are saying is they're expecting the League and both the League and the Five Star to be reasonably conservative because they don't want to be knocking Italy's economic growth, which has ticked up about 1.5% last year and is seen as doing that again this year. So they think that they will be able to be more conservative in those views. But certainly on the front of immigration, the Northern League wants to take a much tougher stand. The more extreme views we've seen from the Five Star, one has been arguments about a possible nationalisation of Telecom Italia, for example. They have been you know, as clear as they can be in their position. They've talked a bit about nationalisation of Telecom Italia and nationalisation of a bank that was partly rescued by the state last year, Monte de Paschi. With regard to Telecom Italia, an interesting point is Telecom Italia, which the single largest shareholder is actually the French group Vivendi, they came out with a statement saying that they'd agreed to separate the network from the rest of Telecom Italia's business, which is interesting because that's one of the things that was seen as something that could placate those in politics, particularly Five Star, who might be wanting a full nationalisation because it's the network that's seen as the most strategic interest in Italy. So that's an interesting um, aside as to how possibly the Italian corporate community has already seen the writing on the wall. Luigi Di Maio, who is a potential Prime Minister from the Five Star Movement, actually paid a visit to the City of London a few weeks ago during the electoral campaign, and he was at great pains to reassure the business and financial community in London that if he was Prime Minister, he wouldn't do anything stupid. But the last yeah. thing any Italian government needs, however radical they are, is a financial crisis, so he would be attempting to reassure them. Yes, indeed he would. And I think one shouldn't underestimate the uh, institutional strength of power centres in Rome, uh, including the central bank and the finance ministry. They are bastions of professionalism and expertise and reliability to the outside world. And they would be pretty powerful actors who would step in if they thought there was a danger to Italy's financial stability. And I think, you know, everyone's aware with a debt of 130% of gross domestic product. Nobody can afford to be irresponsible. Let me finish then by just talking about what this means for the wider Europe. I mean, these parties, the rising parties, as I keep referring to them, have all been labelled Eurosceptic at various times, have flirted with quite radical ideas such as even Italy leaving the euro. What do you think this means for the wider Europe? Tony first. Well, simultaneously with the Italian election, we received the news that members of Germany's Social Democratic Party had voted to form another grand coalition with Angela Merkel's Christian Democrats. And that clears the way for a joint French-German 
initiative on eurozone reform and closer integration and my expectation would indeed be that the french and germans will spearhead an initiative to come up with quite specific proposals over the next 3 months and not many other governments will be considered as equals in that effort to put together some proposals that means that Italy's voice will count for very little, I'm afraid, in this process. It could be, however, that the uncomfortable feeling that a lot of northern European governments, including Germany, will have at the prospect of an Italian government led by either Five Star or the League will mean that they wouldn't want too ambitious an agenda for Eurozone integration because they'd feel it could be undermined by an irresponsible Italian government. Yeah, Rachel, just to end on that point, I suspect Tony is surely right that the Italians in their current state of political confusion are not in much of a position to shape a debate that's being shaped by Brussels, Berlin and Paris. But could they yet act as spoilers, particularly given the European views of the rising parties? After all, Italy is the third largest economy in the Eurozone. Certainly in the past, both the League and the Five Star have made anti-Brussels, anti-EU and, and also anti-Euro comments. But as Tony said, they've toned them down on both sides, to be honest, since they stood a chance of taking power or, or let's say getting closer to power with these elections. I mean, Matteo Salvini, who is the young 40-something leader of the League, made some quite strong comments saying that the Euro hadn't helped Italy. But that's widely understood. From the other side, there has certainly been concern amongst Italian businesses for some time, really since the sovereign crisis, about Italy being left behind and not having you know, a seat at the table, as it were, in Europe. And that's one of the reasons that we've seen actually an acceleration since the past of 18 months, two years of Italian business owners either extending their businesses and their exposure to markets outside Italy, but also in big cross-merger deals, such as we saw about this time last year, the announcement of Luxottica, arguably Italy's only real multinational, the world leader in eyewear, agreeing to be taken over by the French Essilor, and that business will be relisted in Paris. And from what I hear, we might see more of that taking place. OK, well, with that thought, we'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much indeed to Rachel in Milan, to Tony Barber here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye.